Microsoft Story Classic, bringing to you recordings of old storybooks. Squire's Daughter, Florence Nightingale, Episode Three. It soon became a recognized thing in Florence's own home and in all the neighborhood that she was one of the sisters of mercy. Nothing was too small, no creature too humble, to awaken her sympathy and tenderness. When the stable cat had kittens, Florence was the first to visit the tiny creatures and soothe their mother's angry fear. When she walked along the pleasant wood roads of Leahurst, the squirrels expected nuts as a matter of course, and could hardly wait for her to give them. When anyone in the village or farm fell ill, it was Florence who was looked for to cheer and comfort. Mrs. Nightingale was a most kind and charitable lady, and delighted in sending delicacies to the sick. It was Florence's happy privilege to carry them, and whether she walked or rode, there was apt to be a basket on her arm, or fastened to her saddle bow. If you think hard, you can see, at least I can, just how it would be. Old Goody Brown's rheumatism, let us say, was very bad one morning. You children know little about rheumatism. Very likely you think it rather a funny word, and that it is just a thing that old people have, and that they make a good deal fuss about. If it were a toothache now, you say, or a colic, but the truth is no pain is in any way pleasant. If a red-hot sword were run into your back, you would not like it. Well, sometimes rheumatism is like that. So old Goody Brown was suffering and very cross, just as we might be, and nothing suited her. Poor old soul, her tea was too hot, and her porridge too cold, and her pillow set askew, and dear, 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 she wished she was dead, so she did. Martha, her good patient daughter, was at her wit's end. Send to the all, said poor old Goody. Send for Miss Florence. She'll do something for me, I know. So a barefoot boy would trudge up to the great house, and very soon a light, slight figure would come quickly along the village street and enter the cottage. A slender girl, quietly dressed, in perfect neatness and taste, brown hair smoothly parted, shining like satin, gray-blue eyes full of light and thoughtfulness, regular features, an oval face, cheeks faintly tinted with rose. This was Florence Nightingale. I cannot tell you just what she had in the little basket on her arm, whether jelly or broth or chicken or oranges. There was sure to be something good, beside the liniment and medicines to help the aching back and limbs, but the basket held the least of what she brought. At the very sound of her voice, the fretful lines melted away from the poor old face. I cannot tell you, I wish I could, the words she said, this little sister of mercy, yet I can almost hear her speak in that sweet, cordial voice, whose rang held no harsh note, can see her setting the pillow straight and smooth, 
making the little tray dainty and pretty with the posies she had brought, coaxing the old woman to eat, making her laugh over some story of her pets and their droll ways. Perhaps before leaving she would open the worn Bible or prayer book and read a psalm. Can you not see her sitting by the bedside, her pretty head bent over the book, her face full of tenderness and reverence? I am sure that when she went away there was peace and comfort in that cottage room, and that heartfelt blessings followed the angel child as she went on her homeward way. She had a way with her, they said, and that meant more than volumes of praise. The flowers that Florence used to carry with were from her own garden, I like to think. Both at Leah Hurst and Emily, she and her sister had each her own little garden and gardening tools. Florence was a good gardener, indeed. I think she was a good everything that she tried to be, just because she tried. She dug and sowed and watered, pruned and tied up, and did all the things a garden needs. And so her garden was full of flowers, all summer long, giving delight to her and to every sick or lonely or sorrowful person for miles around. As Florence and her sister grew older, they became more and more helpful to their parents in the good works that they both loved to carry on. One feast day of the village school children, as it used to be given at Leah Hurst, Florence was a girl. The children gathered together at the schoolhouse, all in their best frocks and pinafores, and walked in procession up the street and through the fields to Leah Hurst. Each child carried a posy and a stick wreathed with flowers, and at the head of the procession marched a band of music provided by the good squire. In the field below the garden, tables were set, and here Mrs. Nightingale and her daughters, aided by the servants, served tea and buns and cakes, waiting on their little guests and seeing that every child got all he wanted, or at least all that was good for him. Then when all had eaten their fill, the band struck up, and the boys and girls danced on the green to their heart's content. It was time to reform the procession and take up the homeward march. The two sisters, Florence and Parthay, had disappeared during the dancing, but now, as the procession passed along the terrace, there they were standing behind a long table, a table at sight of which the children's eyes grew round and bright, for it was covered from end to end with presents, such delightful presents, books and pretty boxes and baskets, thimble cases and needle books and pin cushions, dolls too, I'm sure, for the little ones, and scrapbooks, and but you can fill up the list for yourself with everything you like best in the way of pretty, simple, useful gifts. I'm quite sure that Florence would not have wished to give the children foolish or elaborate gimcracks and that Mr. Nightingale would never have allowed it if she had. And I think it probable that many of the gifts were made by the two sisters and their kind and clever mother. All about Leah Hurst, in many and many a pleasant cottage home, those little gifts are treasured. As Florence grew up to womanhood, she found more and more work to do. There were mills and factories in the neighborhood of Leah Hurst and in the ho 
hosiery mills especially, hundreds of women and girls were employed, many of whom lived on the Nightingale estate. She may have been seventeen or eighteen when she started her Bible class for the young women of the district, holding it in the tiny ancient chapel at Leahurst. Gathering the girls around her, she would read a chapter from the Bible and then give them her thoughts about it and explain the difficult passages. Then they would all sing together, her sweet, clear voice leading the hymns. Here is another memory very precious to the old women who were once these those happy girls. They loved to tell how beautifully Miss Florence used to talk. Long years after, when Miss Nightingale spent with her noble labors, would come to Leah Hurst for a time of rest and refreshment. The daughters of these girls counted it a high privilege to gather on the lawn under her window and sing to her as she sat in the room above, and would go home proud and happy as queens if they had seen the saintly face smiling from the window. Shall I try to show you Florence Nightingale at seventeen? Her face was little changed from that of the girl we saw in the cottage, cheering old Goody Brown. She still wore her hair brushed smoothly, Madonna wise, on either side her face. Often now she wore a rose at the side, tucked in among the shining braids or coils. You would think her frocks very odd if you saw them today, but then they were extremely pretty. Full skirts, no crinoline, that was to come later, and full sleeves with broad, flat collar of lace or embroidery. When she went to church or to make visits, she wore a spencer, a kind of full plated jacket with a belt, something like a Norfolk jacket, only different, and a leghorn bonnet. You have seen pictures of the leghorn bonnets of the 30s and 40s. Coal scuttles, some people caught them, and they were something the shape of a scuttle. Some of them were enormous in size, and they look very odd enough now in the pictures. When Florence rode on horseback, her habit was so long that it nearly touched the ground. That is, if she followed the fashion of the day. But I should not wonder a bit if she and her mother were too sensible. And she wore a round, broad-brimmed hat with long ostrich plums. So I shall imagine Florence on an afternoon ride with a square, let us say, dressed in this way, but when scampering about on her pony, I trust she wore a less cumbersome costume. You will remember that the Nightingale spent the winter at Embley Park in Hampshire. Here, too, Florence was busy in good and helpful work. At Christmas time, she found her best pleasure in giving presents to young and old, among the poor people about her, in getting up entertainments for the children, training them to sing, arranging treats for the old people in the poorhouse. On Christmas Eve, the village carol singers would come and sing on the lawn old English carols that had been sung by generation after generation. Poor Anthony Babington over at Leah Hall may have listened on Christmas Eve to the same sweet old songs. As Joseph was a-walking, he heard an angel sing, This night shall be the birth night of Christ our heavenly King. His birthbed shall be neither in housen nor in hall, nor in the place of paradise, but in the oxen's stall.
He neither shall be rocked in silver nor in gold, but in the wooden manger that lieth in the mold. He neither shall be washing with white wine nor with red, but with the fair spring water that on you shall be shed. He neither shall be clothed in purple nor in pall, but in the fair white linen that using babies all. As Joseph was a walkin', thus did the angels sing, and Mary's son at midnight was born to be our king. Then be ye glad, good people, at this time of the year, and light you up your candles, for his star is shineth clear. Then who so glad as Florence to call the singers in and bid them welcome and Merry Christmas and aid in distributing the mince pies and silver coins which were always their due. When Florence was fairly grown up, other things came into her life. The happy and merry things that come to so many girls. Mr. Nightingale was a man of wealth and position and liked his wife and daughters to have their share in the gaieties of the country. So there were many parties at Embley and elsewhere, and Florence danced as happy, I doubt not, as the other girls. She went to London, too, and she and her sister were presented to Queen Victoria, and he had their share of the brilliant society of the time. But much as she may have enjoyed all this for a time, still her heart was not in it, and she soon tired, I fancy, of dancing and dressing and visiting. Already her mind was turning to other things. Already her clear eyes were looking forward to other ways of life, other methods of work. Thank you for listening to another episode of Acresoft Story Classic.